0: Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's voice and live life through the lens of Scripture. The Bible in a Year podcast is brought to you by Ascension. Using the Great Adventure Bible timeline, we'll read all the way from Genesis to Revelation, discovering how the story of salvation unfolds and how we fit into that story today. It is day 363, another palindrome day, maybe our final palindrome day of the year. We're reading Revelations chapter 15, 16, and 17, as well as Hebrews chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8. <laughs> Just piece of cake. It's going to be super short. We're also reading Proverbs chapter chapter 31, verses 23 through 25. As always, the Bible translation I'm reading from is the Revised Standard Version, Second Catholic Edition. I'm using the Great Adventure Bible from Ascension. If you want to download your own Bible in a Year reading plan, you can visit ascensionpress.com slash Bible in a Year. You can also subscribe to this podcast because why stop saying it now? (laughs) It is day 363. We're reading Revelation, not Revelations. Why did I say Revelations? It's not plural. It's singular, although it's pretty great. Revelation chapter 15, 16, and 17, Hebrews Letters to the Hebrews, chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8, as well as Proverbs, chapter 31, verses 23 to 25. The Revelation to John, chapter 15. The angels with the seven last plagues. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and wonderful, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is ended. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire And those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and wonderful are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the ages. Who shall not fear and glorify your name, O Lord? For you alone are holy. All nations shall come and worship you, for your judgments have been revealed. After this I looked. And the temple of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues, robed in pure bright linen, and with golden sashes across their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were ended. Chapter 16 the bowls of God's wrath. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth, the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth and foul and evil sores came upon the men who bore the mark of the beast and worshiped its image. The second angel poured his bowl into the sea and it became like the blood of a dead man. And every living thing died that was in the sea. The third angel poured his bowl into the rivers and the fountains of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of water say, Just are you in these your judgments, you who are and were a holy one. For men have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is their due. And I heard the altar cry, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch men with fire. Men were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God who had the power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel poured his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was in darkness. Men gnawed their tongues in anguish, and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores, and did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw issuing from the mouth of the dragon and from the mouth of the beast and from the mouth of the false prophet three foul spirits like frogs. For they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is he who is awake, keeping his garments that he may not go naked and be seen exposed. And they assembled them at the place which is called in Hebrew Armageddon. The seventh angel poured his bowl into the air and a great voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. And there were flashes of lightning, loud noises, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake such as had never been since men were on the earth. So great was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. And God remembered great Babylon to make her drain the cup of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away and no mountains were to be found and great hailstones, heavy as a hundredweight, dropped on men from heaven, till men cursed God for the plague of the hail. So fearful was that plague. Chapter 17. The Great Whore and the Beast Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who is seated upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and with the wine of whose fornication the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of blasphemous names. And it had seven heads and 10 horns. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her fornication. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of harlots and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman. "'drunk with the blood of the saints "'and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. "'When I saw her, I marveled greatly. "'But the angel said to me, "'Why marvel? "'I will tell you the mystery of the woman "'and of the beast with seven heads "'and ten horns that carries her. "'The beast that you saw was and is not "'and is to ascend from the bottomless pit "'and go to perdition. "'And the dwellers on earth "'whose names have not been written "'in the book of life "'from the foundation of the world "'will marvel to behold the beast.' because it was, and is not, and is to come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman is seated. They are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come, and when he comes he must remain only a little while. As for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven, and it goes to perdition. And the 10 horns that you saw are 10 kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. These are of one mind and give over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer them for he is Lord of lords and King of Kings and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. And he said to me, the waters that you saw where the harlot is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the harlot. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and giving over their royal power to the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is the great city, which has dominion over the kings of the earth. The letter to the Hebrews, chapter 5. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is bound to offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for those of the people. And one does not take the honor upon himself, but he is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also, Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest— but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard for his godly fear. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Spiritual Growth About this, we have much to say which is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of God's word. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, free as a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their faculties trained by practice to distinguish good from evil. Chapter 6. The Peril of Falling Away Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, with instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible to restore again to repentance those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come if they then commit apostasy, since they crucify the Son of God on their own account and hold him up to contempt. For land which has drunk the rain that often falls upon it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But, If it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to be cursed. Its end is to be burned. Though we speak thus, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things that belong to salvation. For God is not so unjust as to overlook your work and the love which you showed for his sake in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness in realizing the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The Certainty of God's Promise For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently endured, obtained the promise. Men indeed swear by a greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So, When God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he interposed with an oath so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible that God should prove false. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner shrine behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Chapter 7. The Priestly Order of Melchizedek For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, and has neither beginning of days nor end of life. But resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See how great he is. Abraham, the patriarch, gave him a tithe of the spoils. And those descendants of Levi, who receive the priestly office, have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brethren, though these also are descended from Abraham. But this man, who has not their genealogy, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. Here tithes are received by mortal men, there by one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who received tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Another priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named according to the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belonged to another tribe, from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not according to a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. On the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Those who formerly became priests took their office without an oath, but this one was addressed with an oath. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the surety of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able for all time to save those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, blameless, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. He did this once for all when he offered up himself. Indeed, The law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Chapter 8. Mediator of a New Covenant Now, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the sanctuary and the true tent, which is set up not by man, but by the Lord for every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Hence, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly sanctuary. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry which is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant He mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion for a second. For He finds fault with them when He says, The days will come, says the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant— And so I paid no heed to them, says the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow or everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he treats the first as obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. The book of Proverbs chapter 31 verses 23 through 25. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Father in heaven, we give you praise and glory. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be once again together in these final days of the Bible in the year. We thank you for all the prayers that we've uttered on behalf of each other. We thank you for, thank you for this time. There's, there are no words, Lord God. We just thank you. Just thank you. Receive our hearts. Receive our praise. Receive the glory that belongs to you now and forever. In Jesus name, we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Just, I know that we have revelation and we have Hebrews to go through, but this last chapter, Proverbs chapter 31, you know, that, that, that wife, the description of this wife, some things I love about this is in verse 24, it says, she makes her linen garments and sells them and delivers her sashes to the merchant. She can be an entrepreneur, which is great. Um, strength and dignity are her clothing. That's some something, some, something so good. I'm just like, ah, man, I think of, you know, my mom, I think of uh, my sisters that is and women that I've just have been really helped by and strength and dignity are her clothing. And that, is an apt description an incredible description of I mean, I know the women in my family it's so good and the last line here and she laughs at the time to come you know there, there what does that mean that it it points to how often we can be worried and just like you know tremble at the, the thought of the future but she laughs at the time to come why because strength and dignity are her clothing she trusts in the Lord and so she doesn't need to be afraid of the future and that's what that's the truth for us too anyone who belongs to Christ you don't need to be afraid of the future. So speaking of the future and think, speaking of the past and speaking of the book of Revelation, we have in chapter seventeen, we have the story of the harlot and the beast and and talks about here's the the woman, the the harlot and and the beast, and the beast you know, has the seven heads and ten horns that carries her. and it says that the in verse uh, chapter seventeen, verse nine, it calls for a mind with wisdom. seven heads, the seven heads of the beast are seven hills on which the woman is seated. There are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is the other has not yet come. When he comes, he must reign only a little while. So, what is that? And and consensus typically is that the seven hills, uh, Rome, is a city built on seven hills, and also, but also, there's a rabbinic tradition that says that Jerusalem is also a city built on seven hills. And so, I think, okay, either one, but knowing that here are the Christians who are undergoing incredible persecution from the Roman Empire at this point, you recognize that uh if you begin with these kings or these emperors these these rulers that uh the first one being caesar that the the one they're talking about here the sixth one would be nero or domitian and there's an interesting kind of thing because here they are describing this and so some in some ways we say oh my gosh what is this beast and what are these these hills and what is this this harlot and when's that going to happen well the author St. John, he's saying, he's not describing something that necessarily will happen. He's describing something that has already happened. And that's why he's speaking in this code. They're uh, saying, you just figured this out. This is what we're talking about right now. And the point is this, where it applies to us. This persecution is going to be limited. It is going to be devastating, but it is going to be limited. That Jesus Christ continues to reign It goes on to say, um, even though all this power here at the end of chapter 17, it says in verse 16, it says, and the 10 horns you saw, they and the beast will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, devour her flesh and burn up her fire. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose. Basically, it's all going to be over. All this, this great city of this city of Rome, this, this persecutor of, of the world, that's going to end at some point that Satan's time is powerful on earth, but his time is short. And that same is true for us. There are sufferings, there's going to be times of great persecution, but it will not end in absolute destruction. Even if it ends with our lives, it will not end with absolute destruction. God is giving us this word of hope through in the midst of this description of destruction in the book of Revelation. In the letter to the Hebrews, oh gosh, it's is incredible. You know, we've already established that Jesus is higher than the angels. He's higher than than Moses. He's also talking about he's higher than the the priests. He's higher than the priesthood, that Jesus is the new and eternal priest. In fact, remember, you know this already because this is so great. And that's why so as, as they're writing to the Hebrews here, they're writing to a bunch of people who know the story. They know the story like you know the story. Maybe they know it a little better, but you've heard the whole story. And they know that the priesthood, it only comes from the line of, of Levi, right? The priesthood of Aaron, and so Jesus, though, is, as the author says, we know that he wasn't in the line of Aaron. He was the tribe of Judah. So Jesus belongs to a different kind of priesthood, it's the priesthood of Melchizedek, which we saw back in Genesis and heard about in Psalm, in the book of Psalms, Genesis 14 and in Psalms 110, that Jesus has a priesthood that does not pass away. That's not bound by a genealogy, a priesthood that, he doesn't have to offer up a sacrifice for himself like the priests would do in the old covenant for themselves daily and yearly because he was spotless. He offered a sacrifice of himself once and for all. And I love this chapter seven, verse 26, for it was fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, blameless, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens, He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily first for his own sins and then for those of the people. He did this once for all when he offered up himself. Indeed, the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of oath which came later than the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. And chapter eight talks all about how he is the mediator of a new covenant. You are part of that covenant right now. This is the great news. You're part of that covenant right now. I just thank God so much for this community. I thank God so much for this journey. Thank God so much for all the people who have been part of this. And you've just been so faithful. Even if you fell off, you're back on. Here you are, day 363, back together, praying for each other. Because we cannot, we cannot do this alone. I am praying for you. Please pray for me. My name is Father Mike. I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless.